Welcome to the Org Design Podcast. Um, so good to have you along. Look, we'd love you to share a little bit about Evolve Leadership and um, your own journey becoming an Org Design Practitioner, um, helping so many other organisations get their org structure right for where they're heading, their purpose, their mission, their values. Great. Yeah, no problem. Firstly, thanks for, thanks for having me, Tim and Amy, on the show. Uh, it's great to be able to um, yeah, share some thoughts um, and certainly still lots of learning to come from me. Uh, but uh, Evolve Leadership, we are an organisational and leadership development consultancy, uh, fairly boutique, and we work across Australia and also uh, throughout the US. Um, we specialise in org design, obviously, is one, one thing, but also strategy, leadership development and organisational culture development. For me, thinking about org design, it was something that I probably fell into more than uh, sort of set out to become an org design specialist. Um, what, what for me I love is I really love seeing leaders and their teams sort of discover and find their potential. That's, I know that's a bit of a cliche word, potential, but I love seeing people and or their teams and organizations go from where they are to where they could or where they should be. Um, and, or, you know, and fulfilling their sort of hopes and, and aspirations. So that for me has been a, a, a sort of a lifelong journey, um, along, along the way. Um, but it started at that sort of individual team level, organizational level. But what I recognized was that how we, where we want to go and how we want to achieve success and what that looks like, uh, very much comes back to, well, what are the functions? What are the roles that, that people play in order to, to see that happen? And one, I read a great book, Michael Hyder. Uh, free to focus and the idea of people working in their energy. So where are people passionate and where are they proficient? And for me, it's then getting, thinking about that at an individual level and then going, well, how, how, how are our organizational structures uh, catering for that? How are they allowing for people to work in the places that give them energy and in the areas where they're proficient? And it's a great, um, it's a great, I guess premise to, to, to enter into org design is individual team and company wide sort of success. And that's sort of how I, I think I landed into it. That mixture of culture, strategy, leadership, people, and then going into, um, into org design. I did, um, some studies along the way as well, but, um, yeah, lots of, lots of falling into it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Lynn. So you did. Um, start to touch on how you approach org design, but I'd love to go back in time a bit and dig a bit more into falling into org design um, and then eventually choosing to study, as you mentioned. But can you share us a little bit more detail about how you fell into how, what has been your personal experience of well, org design in if, the past? If I'm honest, I'll, and I'll be, um, I'll be honest here, can I also just mention how yeah. I, I, I think the production crew has done a fantastic job getting us all to wear khaki today um, by, that was actually all by coincidence. That's quite funny. Um, so I was doing a strategic planning piece for an organisation and, you know, great mission, great purpose, great sense of vision. They were, you know, at significant size, had gone through some some challenges, had started to plateau. And so we, you know, I was brought in to help with their strategy. And then on the back of that, um, it was then became this sense of, uh, okay, well, well, what, what's Glenn going to do? And what's Tim going to do? And what's Amy going to do? And it's like, it was sort of around the wrong way. And rather than focusing on 
purpose, the focus was on personalities as it related to the execution of that strategy. And for me, it was that that sort of defining moment in the middle of that piece to go, hang on a sec, guys, you, your, your structure has to support your strategy, not the other way around. You know, we can't be thinking, well, we can only work with the personalities we have. We actually have to think about, okay, what do we need to do to achieve success and what's the structure we need to have in order to deliver that? And for me, that's really then opened my eyes to um, to getting the organisational design piece, and I don't think we called it that back then, um, but, you know, all charts and getting all those things set up to go, hang on, we need to think about this differently. It's not about personalities. It's about ultimate purpose, vision and success, and then what are the key or core functions that we need to deliver that, and then what are the roles and responsibility and further functions needed within each of those areas in order to achieve that. That was probably that defining moment for me. Um, when I did my Masters of Business Leadership, we did organisational behaviour and organisational development and design in that um, through that studies. And that, that started to really reinforce for me the importance of organisational design in companies. Um, yeah, so that's probably a little bit more. Yeah, I, Glenn, super interesting. Um, that you actually started with strategy through to then kind of how that's well executed through an organization mm. what are the things that you've seen go wrong like how do you when you're walking into an organization meeting with the ceo board and then the leadership team what what are mm. the kind of symptoms you see that your spider senses start thinking oh i'm not really 100 percent certain that um that the structure is serving what they're saying they want to achieve or you know what? What are those? Mm. What are those things that you sense or see or understand to be the case that that people could look at and see as symptoms, maybe? Yeah. Well, it was. It was um, again just bringing back to a story. It was a, an, another a, another client. It was actually a large not for profit client that um, had parachuted me in to, to to deal with culture. So they had a significant culture issue, and and this is one of the the things that I think. Um, people often don't recognise is they see things like strategy and they see things like organisational structures um, and, and they don't recognise the impact that they have on, on culture. So this particular situation, I was brought in to deal with a cultural issue. There was a toxic culture that was developing within the organisation um, and they were like, Glenn, come in, we want you to do like the, they didn't say this, but along the terms of we want you to do the full kumbaya sessions, we want trust falls, we want all this stuff, we want the team working, you know, working really well together because the culture is terrible. And I'm like, can, can I just talk to people for a bit? Can I just actually get a better understanding? And what was interesting was at the heart of the toxic culture was actually their, their org design and was their roles and responsibilities, was the fact that they would have people scrambling over jobs, multiple people doing... Um, doing the same thing and then competing and fighting for, you know, fighting for the, the resources to get that done. And there wasn't clarity of structure. There wasn't clarity of accountability. There wasn't clarity of, um, of ownership of, of particular tasks that need to get done. And that for me was, um, that recognizing that is going, we, we think about culture and, and that's so what I'm saying. That to me was the symptom, a, a toxic culture. That wasn't people that were evil people looking to make each other's life a living hell. 
it was actually people that were scrambling over roles and responsibilities. Um, so after that deep listening exercise that we did, I actually stood, stood, back, stood back and said, guys, trust falls aren't going to do it. In fact, they're probably going to let people just fall on the head. This isn't going to work. You know, kumbaya around the fire, there's going to be people trying to push each other into the fire. That's not what we need to do. What we actually need to do is bring it back, <laughs> bring it back and get it to a place where um, we can get clarity of who's doing what, what do we need to do, who's doing it, who takes ownership, who's accountable to who. And, and therefore led into an all design piece. So that was a symptom, was that uh, toxic culture. I, the, That's super the other, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was fascinating because it's not normally how you would get to get to that that point of org design. Normally, org design comes from uh, either it's a you know we need to downsize or we've got scalability issues, um, and they're more the typical. Uh, aspects of it there, but there are other symptoms as well as a company plateauing um and 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 seeing that so so for me if that company is is has got to a certain point and isn't growing then i will have a look at that org design and go well, t- t- tell me well, actually i'll start with probably process talk to me about how you know what is it that you do what are your products how do you deliver those what are the services how are you then running that as a process and then who's doing what within that? Where are the bottlenecks that, that happen within in that? Is it a is it a front end issue? Is it like a sales and marketing function issue? And and is that is that the part we need to focus on? Is it the operations that are or onboarding where it hits hits that um point of entry into the contract signed and they're delivering and then all of a sudden it it stops there? Is it the the, the ongoing serviceability of the, to that client um, does it does it hold to there? So actually looking at the the processes and looking at their ability to to scale um, to to grow is is probably another you know is another symptom that I that I see. Um, so just trying to think culture um, scalability sustainability is another one you know that people just being. Mm-hmm completely overworked and you know, busting their ass trying to get everything done that's on their plate. And that often is also a trigger to me about, ah, oh, maybe this is an org design issue rather than, you know, rather than whoever gets, whoever shouts the loudest gets the, you know, gets the, um, gets the, the human resource. It's like, well, let's bring it back to, um, to, to looking at the, the structure itself. Yeah, Glenn. You let's say you get in that situation. Um, you know, we're sitting around the table. You, we, me and Amy have brought you into our imaginary organisation. We're probably going to have to come up with a good one for these questions, Amy. So we'll have to think about that. <laughs> um, but we we've come up with a an organisation that um, we've got you in. We've talked through the symptoms. You're like, hey guys, you have got an org design problem. Where do where do you even start on that org design journey? Glenn, what, what does it look like when you start? Like, okay, we're all in agreement that we have a, a structure problem, like who reports to who, what they do, where they do it, maybe have an accountability, misalignment, lack of clarity, as you talked about. Um, what's the what's the first couple of steps that you engage? You're like, where do we even start? Do we just start drawing on a whiteboard? Do we, like, what, what, what's your, how do you tackle yes. that? Yeah, no, yeah, it's uh, great. great. At each other yeah. across the boardroom table. That's right. Sorry, sorry yeah, about yeah, yelling yeah. at each other across the executive table that I need more resource and Amy's wrong. I'm more Amy yelling at yeah. me saying, you know. No, I, I, 
<laughs> there's, there's for me it always starts with uh listening like it's so i have this sort of philosophy and what, what i do is which is around sort of listen listen learn lead so you know you you want to come in and often people come in guns blazing you know we're going to do this we're going to do that or you know let me pull this textbook off here and open up the textbook and go well you know this is what best practice should be because the textbook says so i often find the best way to start is to go and listen Deep listening, go and meet with people, eyeball people, interview them, do surveys, however you gather that information to really understand what are the underlying issues that are, are, are going on here. Because what management may present or what the CEO may present may not actually be the case. A lot of the times they're onto it and they're switched on and they're, you know, they're, they're good listeners themselves. So they're able to bring that, um, bring that narrative to the table to then work with. Um, but often they don't. So deep listening is is the the first place I would start to try and look for sort of themes and patterns. And I'm thinking about one particular was it was actually in the education sector, um, and it was a large it was a large school that was having some challenges in terms of its its leadership structure, its organisational structure. Um, and whilst the the particular leader had some ideas on what they thought it could be, uh, and had done some research we actually started that process of, of, of listening and, and recognising that some of the deeper issues were the two, the two deep issues that came from that listening was communication and it was also ownership of responsibilities. And there was this sort of scapegoating, blaming, making excuses, like you said, it's Amy's fault or it's Tim's fault or it's Glenn's fault. And, and that lack of ownership and the la and poor communication came out through that listening. So that then helped us to go, okay, well, whatever we do, and there was actually like, I think there was like eight sort of key findings that came through that deep listening. What that then allowed us to do is to then go, okay, well, whatever model it is that we design going forward, we have to ensure that it addresses the as many of these challenges as possible. So we then went into the, the process of doing some, you know, we did some research, what are some other models that it could look like? Um, and we put together three different uh, design options for what that, uh, what that organization um, could look like. And then we started to engage with the, the leadership, middle management, the board to go, Hey, these are some of the, the options that we're thinking about. And this wasn't a, a cost cutting activity. We weren't trying to get rid of FTEs in this process. This was about a, a efficiency and effectiveness. Uh, so we then went about that process of, of, uh, of interacting those designs, the options with uh, stakeholders, gathering their feedback. Uh, ensuring, you know, working with the director of corporate services to make sure that, you know, that it was all feasible and financial um, and making that clear at the start that whatever we do, we have to ensure that this is, you know, that this is going to be, um, it, it's realistic and it's doable. Um, and then we went through that process of, of, of decision making around what the best option was. And then we started to, to work with that option and then started to fill that out. Um, in terms of roles and responsibilities and how that would change. And then that's just phase one, right? You guys know this. You, you do all the design you like. It's the change management process itself, which uh, which is equally as important in how you bring about that change. Hmm. Does that make sense? Me and Amy talk a lot, Glenn, about um, 
why do organizations end up needing to go through enormous restructures with institutional consulting firms that cost millions and millions and millions of dollars? Yeah, yeah, why yeah. couldn't they just make change when it's obvious more regular, uh, more regularly? Um, do you, how do you, what do you think the hardest thing is for most organizations to, to make that change? Why couldn't the not-for-profit that you're talking about see those issues a year ago, two years ago when they first presented mm -hmm. and just kind of naturally have that conversation and action a uh, change path yeah, forward that's yeah, not as big yeah. as a big restructure and needing to re completely reorganize their team to be more focused on performance and outcome. Um, why, why is that? Why do people shy away from change? Or why is that change so hard? Do you I, think? I the, the word that comes to mind is, I, know, I don't even know if this is a word, but institutionalization, I'm going to call it. Um, and that's where mm -hmm. structures get established and people, you know, have that clarity of role and have that, um, have that expectation on them and then they go about their business and there isn't that the pace of change and the external forces coming on that organisation and the internal focus and thought around org design doesn't exist. They're, they're not correlated. So you've got all these external forces which create this need for change, and we know that change is everywhere. It's the only constant, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you've got all this pressure to change, but internally there there isn't a um, there isn't the freedom or the agility to be able to to change quickly in that because of this institutionalization. We've been doing this for ten years this way. So so you know what what's that going to mean for my role? There isn't a a, a fluidity to who does what, when they, you know, how they do it, um, that people get very fixed. And then you have habit and we know the power of habit. So then habits get entrenched within the lives that so were all a result of our individual habits, but that's the same at an organisational level. So those habits just, in, they just layer cement on cement on cement and all of a sudden you've, you're stuck. Um, because you, 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 that's just how you've learned to learn to operate. So I think um, the the lack of focus, and you mentioned it before, Tim, about oh, we've got to go get in the, you know, spend millions of dollars to do this this restructure. I, my personal thought is, organisations actually have to start to learn to do org design themselves. It's not, it's not for the the big the big five consultancy groups to come in and charge millions of dollars because change is happening so fast that we actually need to be able to respond to that as 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 quickly as we can. Then they will find themselves being entrenched in a structure that, that finds it difficult to change because a lot of effort goes into it. Whereas if you can create a level of, as I mentioned the word fluidity, then it allows you to, to go, you know what, we're going to test this. We're going to test this model, see how it goes. We're going to create feedback loops and we're going to check in at three months and then six months and then at nine months. Uh, you know, if we need to make changes at any one of those points, then we can. And I think speaking on change, my two, you know, my two favourite authors on change, are, you know, John Cotter, we all, you know, we're all familiar with his eight steps to change and create a sense of urgency and a powerful coalition, blah, blah, blah. But another one is Peter Senge, who... Um, speaks about the learning organisation, which you would have heard he actually penned that term. And he talks about change is a process, but change is a culture. 
So how do we create cultures of change that allow us to, to move and go, okay, this isn't, this isn't working. We're missing something here. Again, with our organizational purpose, vision and strategy leading the charge, what, what aren't we delivering and how do we need to modify our org design in order to achieve that? Now, again, if every time you have to do that, you have to bring in a consultant, then, you know, then it's very in effect. Well, it's costly and, um, and can, can slow things down versus developing that skill internally through your, maybe your people and culture division or your, your, at that executive level so that they figure out that we actually can control this and we can manage this ourselves. So I think creating a culture of change, having a really clear process for change, as well as the two ways to, to help mitigate um, that and move from the design phase into the, the implementation of that new design. But if we think that happens once and it's like, okay, let's revisit this in five years, then I think we, I think companies get stuck. So but that's what they actually, do. Uh, you've hit right at the heart of the mission of the Org Design Podcast, and that's making org design a key skill for leaders in every organisation. If you hmm. could click your fingers right now and we could give every leader um, one skill related to org design, what would that be for you? What do you wish every leader could do? Whoa. I wish, I'm going to call it this, play the video. Um, so play play the video, playing the video. And the idea there is is we, we often, as leaders, we're thinking so focused on the now and we're going on, we've got inefficiencies, we're ineffective. Um, how do we fix that? that, that that's important that we address that. But one thing I'd love leaders to be able to do and is to play the video, which is going, what does this mean for six months from now? What does this look like for three years from now? And how do we build a scalable, sustainable and profitable business model so that we know, so workforce planning is probably another, you know, word if, if people could, could, could know that word. Um, but play the video so that you know that if we are going to grow and if we are going to achieve our vision, then what does that need to look like and how does our model support that? Um, and what are the, what's our workforce planning going to look like? Not just now in order to deal with our inefficiencies and ineffectiveness, but also for the, the, the future growth that we want to achieve. You know, so that you know when you know when revenue hits this and pipeline you know hits this, we know we need to to make this decision. And when we need to make three of those decisions, we then need to know when you know there's another decision to make as it relates to that that scalability of the the company. So play the video would be my one thing. See if I could gift that to all the organisations that I work with and all that you guys do as well. That would be it. the ability to to think into the future and to ensure that the design that they have doesn't just work for now, but works for the next, you know, season ahead. So if, you know, you have a manager sitting with you today and they're like, all right, Glenn, I want to play the video for my business. What, what would that look like in three quick mm, Yeah, great. Well, I, I can remember working with an architectural firm um, and they had a, they, they, were, they were a strong company already. Um, and they wanted to grow. They had an appetite for growth. And so we I said, so tell me about your growth. Tell me about your growth ambition. And then we were able to look at, okay, well, if you're wanting to grow, let's say by 30% over the next, uh, the next two years, um, 
what does that model look like from an org design perspective currently? So we had worked out and we got the, we had set them up into these pods. So they had, um, they had architects and they had planners and they had, um, project, project managers who were a part of that and created these little pods. And we knew that each pod could be accountable for $5 million sort of worth of revenue. So in order to then think about that future growth to go, okay, if we want to grow by 20 million, let's say over the next two years, um, then we know that we need to be working out a model where we could, we, we just need more pods and each pod that we have, which we know can, can, um, can generate and manage that five million of revenue for each pod. When we have three pods, we know we need a new, we need a new account director who can then manage that pod. And for each account, you know, and, and, and therefore you can, you've sort of set up an equation when A plus B equals C, then we do, then we do D. So starting to think about that from a business strategy revenue perspective and then thinking, right, well, what's the model, the scalable model that we, that, that we know? And we know, we, we know what's variable and we know what's not. We know that every job needs this, 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 and this. So we need to be able to factor that into, um, the roles, responsibilities, functions, um, of the, of the company and then project that out over time. You mentioned, you know, you, you go in as a consultant really to these companies. You're not specifically mm. there for org design. I'd love to know what percentage of the time does it end up with an org design component? So you said it could be cultural yeah. and execution or um, sustainability. How often in your uh, clients do you end up doing org design? Mm. Uh, the majority of the engagements. Yeah, the majority of engagements that I have um would it, at some level visit org design and it could be just the question you know has it, and you can do that at the top level and look at um uh the, the the staffing ratios and you can look at revenue and uh you know revenue per staff member and there's there's things at that level but um uh, I would say each would engage, have some level of engagement with org design. Might just be, have you, do you feel like you, your structure's working? What's your culture like? What's the, you know, is, is, what's the profit like? What's the culture like? Um, and looking at the soft and hard uh, figures of sort of business health. Um, I can't imagine that there's ever been a time, I'm just trying to think where I haven't asked. What does that, what does the design look like? How are you structured? I remember this um, uh, uh, thing called the anatomy of organizational performance. And it was this sense of how do you do, how do you do what you do? How does work flow through your business? And how do you structure your business to, to um, deliver success? Uh, I would say I would ask that question nearly all the time. Nearly all the time. Amy is my is my answer, and I just needed to take the scenic. <laughs> need to take this to get there, but um, yeah, yeah. Here with Tim Brewer and Amy Springer on the Org Design Podcast with our guest Glenn Bergsma from Evolve Leadership. Glenn, it's been a privilege um have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time and humility to come and talk to us about Org Design and the things that you see go on behind the scenes. Um. So for people who would like to get in contact with Glenn or have him help out in the niche areas where he helps people, 
um, with both strategy and by the sounds of it, almost always some interaction with how they've structured their organisation. We'll have Glenn's contact details on our website with the podcast. Um, but thanks so much for joining us, listening and learning as it relates to your org design skills as a leader. And it's a pleasure to bring people like Glenn on the show and have them share their expertise um, with us and with our audience. Um, Amy, thank you so much as always for uh, joining me, challenging me and having fun as we get to interview such great leaders and practitioners and working together to share that kind of knowledge so people can build better places to work. Thanks for having me. 